you doing, folks? Welcome to episode 44 of the Simple Life Podcast. I am not joined this evening by uh, Maka, um, so this may be a slightly different format, guys. So we're not going to crash the car at the start. Hopefully, we're not going to crash at all with this recording, but we will uh, jump straight into introducing tonight's guests. Um, they are... Um, the, blah, blah, sorry, let me try that one again. Uh, we're joined by the member director and the process and legal uh, member director of Hempen. They are Patrick and Zena. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, doing really well, thanks. Yeah, good. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long work day, but doing well. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. I kind of cut my intro short there. There's actually three or four of the uh, sentences of notes there, but we're going to jump straight in. I'm sure we'll circle back with, uh, with that in questions later on. So I suppose, uh, firstly, a lot of people may have heard of Hempen, may very well have heard of, obviously, the controversy um, that occurred sort of in 2009, where your license and unfairly, I would say, massively uh, removed. Um, but for the people that don't know, you could you give a brief sort of overview of, of who you who Hempen are? Yeah, so Hempen, we, we, we started in 2015 and uh, we've sort of inadvertently become pioneers in the UK hemp industry in terms of growing and producing hemp products. Um, we are, we're a not-for-profit cooperative, so we're all about the mission. This is not, this is not, you know, obviously we have to be commercially viable, but we're not in it for the money. And, and certainly, uh, <laughs> if we were, we would be doing very badly at that. Um, uh, we, we, we're all about, uh, promoting hemp as a solution to our, uh, our individual, community and uh, planetary uh, health crises and our, our mission is to cooperatively cultivate hemp for the for the benefit for for the benefit of people community and planet um yeah so we're based down in south oxfordshire um on the hardwick estate and uh, we've got a little cottage here we've got um a few fields um we used to lease fields off um our off the estate um to grow to grow hemp um and that was really like the beginning the beginning of the journey was an idea to to grow hemp in order to create a rural sustainable livelihood um and also make the plant accessible to 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 everyone um to reap all the benefits of the plant um for everyone and um yeah that kind of we start started off um, doing food food products, seeds, and that kind of thing, and then CBD became legal, um, and so we thought, well, let's have a, let's have a go at the old CBD as well, um, and that's when things really started to really started to kick off um, for Hempen because we were the the um, most local UK organic source of of CBD, um, and uh, so yeah, it's a it's been a journey from from that point. Mm. And uh, one of the, I, I guess something that listeners might not know is that um, one of the key motivations for us uh, in in forming Hempen in the first place was how do we build rural resilient community as well, you know? And that was that was a question that we were asking. Certainly, um, myself and Joe um, Joe, who's really Joe McGann, who's really the, the visionary of Hempen, were discussing um, prior to forming Hempen. The question was, how do we build rural resilient community in the face of these environmental and social and economic challenges? Uh, and 
hemp was one of the answers to that mm. question. Hemp was one of the answers to how we build community. Hemp is the is the community plant. It's the people's plant. You know, from one plant, you can do so many things. Whether it's feed yourself, medicine, clothing, housing. Um, you know, all the mm-hmm. you know biocomposites. You know, it, it's all there, right? Um, and and so. Uh, once Joe convinced me that that was true and that wasn't just something that uh, my stoner friends at university told me about uh, because that's honestly what I used to think. I used to think, yeah, I'm all for legalizing cannabis. Like that's a no brainer, but don't tell me it can also build me a house and, and feed me and clothe me and like, you know, uh, create ecological batteries. Like that's, that's a bit far fetched. Um, but Joe convinced me that actually those things were true. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when I got on board with, with, with the hemp and vision. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Um, most of the examples you spoke of there are sat here. We've got uh, uh, graphene-infused sort of hemp, hemp paper, thermal yeah. blocks, you've got concrete, you've got plastic moulds. got my, one of my favourites is a little Lego brick. Uh-huh. A little, little printed Lego brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, so that's one of the things that... That sentence there, you have how to protect sort of um, in the future-proof rural, rural um, communities. And I think that is something that... I hadn't quite considered. Um, I've become massively aware, especially during the sort of lockdown and COVID, of my own internalized classism. Um, and so part of that is then the blinkers. If I can, I can only see the economically deprived in my area, but there are people that are economically deprived in all areas, and it, it presents in different ways in different parts of the country and in different communities. And I think that, yeah, the it, it's the same... <laughs> It is, it's the same that occurs whether it is incentivizing sort of uh, failing agricultural farms to move into the production of agricultural crops of, of low THC cannabis or hemp, or whether it is then kids in housing estates putting tents in the mom's bedroom. If you look at it from a zoomed out enough picture, it's the same thing. It's people trying to future-proof their economies. They're growing a resource that they are then extracting into a product or a service that they're then providing to a, to a community. So actually in the way you said it, that it was, it was a very wonderful way of the, the image of, of co- uh, coercion, of uh, co-option, I suppose, in my head there, of, of people working cooperatively across the spectrum. So one of the main reasons that you guys have been on my list for a while to, uh, to have on the podcast is that you speak so eloquently and so wonderfully of the industrial and commercial potential of, again, for my listeners here, I'm going to, every time these guys say hemp, say low THC cannabis, I'm not doing this to be derisive or original. Uh, I'm doing it almost, I suppose, plant a seed in your head as well. And we'll end up talking about the nomenclature and the roots of the uh, different words sort of later on. But I, just want to absolutely, I mean, that's absolutely right. We, mm. we, we take, you know, that's totally our position at hemp as well. Right? Hemp is just low THC cannabis and the level, the level of what that low means is just legally defined arbitrarily by some uh, bureaucrats and uh, politicians, and, and and there's no other reason for it. It's not it's not nature that's made that definition. Yeah. It's, it's it's us humans. I mean, both both versions have been selectively bred for different purposes mm. and different uses. At the end of the day, um, it's mm. been bred for high THC uh, recreational use, and then it's been bred for low THC for industrial use. And yeah, it's mm. it's all all the same. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously the original split between what I suppose, if we look at the the genus of cannabis and the the current accepted consensus science, still a bit contentious if you look at the Soviet research where I think they got up to about 17 different subgenus. Um, But if we discount that, we're basically up to, I think, uh, cannabis sativa deriving from, from the West. 
acclimating still from in indica roots as it were and then ruderalis being the um i was gonna say bastard cousin as it were the the kind of in in between and it seems to be that these are expressions of the same uh, genus of plant, just in different um, environments. So we know that cannabis, cannabis is a massive adaptogen. You literally you can put it anywhere and it reverts and it tackles. So even on across a field, if there's then different waterway distributions, if there are different ways of the angle of the sun, even if one patch of it is cut by a tree in a distance, the, the plant itself will, will start to, to work a way to, to compensate for this. There is an intrinsic intelligence within it. And so I think that then, yeah, obviously, as it's come through, um, especially the uh, East India Trade Company, and they were starting to move sort of back and forth and back and forth, acclimation of what would have been at that point, what we would understand to be cannabis indica, then kind of, yeah, made it more beneficial in terms of fibrous materials or whatever else, because we didn't have the idea of the intoxicant, the medical intoxicant, which is where we get sort of hashish in this from, is it's you're getting therapy and well, but you're also having a spiritual experience. And I think that we were still very much in the dark ages over here of you can only get to God through the church. You can't have that experience. And if you do, it's in some form sort of evil or wrong. And so I think that that then created a cultural thing of keeping us away from the therapeutic benefits of it. And we know the THC protects the seeds or it protects the, uh, the, the plant as itself from UV light. Obviously, the different UV lights to the, the flatlands of the UK when it was then grown in this country as an agricultural crop will have meant, yeah, massive differences. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, prohibition comes along and goes 0 0.2 of this one cannabinoid of over 100 of them. We're going to arbitrarily put it into that. And it's, yeah, those distinctions have meant that the, they look and almost act quite differently. But the difference between them, if we remove the THC cap, is potential yields because actually if we rebred them into each other now imagine if we bred back in some of these european accepted uh hemp so hemp strains low thc with some of the modern sort of street skunk as it were for the, mm -hmm. the resin production because we know the resin production protects the physical structure of the plant so if they work synergistically we can get everything from one and this is one of the things that really annoyed me about um, the story of, of where you guys went from what you were doing to then how hard the system came at you was because all you were doing was being economical. All you were doing was, was using logic and rationale to go, this produces this wonderful thing. You want us to destroy this because of a piece of paper that is unevidenced and makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it's very, I always find, you know, my background's in activism. I was a, a social and environmental activist. You know, I, I still would, call myself that but you know very but in a very overt way you know from grassroots direct action of all kinds um you know taking that you know around around you know the sort of ecological uh catastrophe we're in you know some of the action was was quite serious by some people's standards you know uh, i've been involved with banner drops of parliament shutting down short haul flight airports all sorts you know which which a lot of people might find controversial but that I'm, just, I'm just giving a flavour of um, where myself and Joe and some of the people that started Hemping were coming from. Um, and what, what we wanted to do here and what I've always believed in is not just saying, no, this is a bad thing, but actually offering a solution. What's your answer? What's your answer to the problem? So Hempen was our answer to a problem. Hempen and hemp, uh, cooperatively, not for profit, as a community, 
growing this wonderful plant was our answer to some of these problems. We wanted to we wanted to posit a new paradigm, a new way of doing things, or be part of that at least, part of that conversation. And we didn't do anything that we would consider in any way controversial, especially by our previous standards, right? Um, but actually, it's very telling when you do something like that, you you you, you create the the threat of a good example, and then you're shut down. You know, and you're shut down in a very draconian way using the full force of the law. Um, you know, if, you know, we, we, we're partnered with uh, the farm here, um, uh, and his, his name's James, he's a wonderful man, he's an ecologist, he, he's got um, the most amazing heart, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. When he finally had his, uh, was told he had a, his license revoked, which was our license at the time, uh, we were farming together, um, he was saying, oh, well, look, now I've got 40 acres of cannabis in the field and um, legal advice is that's a, that's a charge for cultivation of 40 acres of cannabis. Uh, and he was 60 years old. You know, he, he didn't think he'd survive, survive the trial, frankly. Uh, and so he said, look, we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut it down. And we agreed, you know, you're going to have to cut it down. But it, if it wasn't for that, we would have made them come and cut it down because why are we going, why, what's wrong with a plant that the World Health Organization says has no public health risk, uh, growing 40 acres of it, as, as tall as our head, uh, producing products that we've shown are, are A, legal and B, healthy and uh, have no uh, side effects in any problematic way, uh, only, only have benefits, improved biodiversity, improved soil, sequestering mm -hmm. carbon and the rest. Uh, why should why should we cut down this plant for any other reason other than you're threatening us with imprisonment if we don't? You know, so if, if it wasn't for James, like you know, feeling he wouldn't survive the trial, we might have made them come and cut it down, and we might have stood in the way and done all of that. Yeah. You know, but as it is, um, we couldn't do that at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and so we decided to cut it down, publicise it, and um, and and campaigns for organic hemp farmers to license hemp farmers to be able to harvest the whole plant. Mm. Meanwhile, we, uh, you know, we had to then import CBD as instructed by them from abroad. So just, you know, our, our next license application would have involved uh, our license application that year in 2019 would have involved us harvesting seed, harvesting straw and destroying the flowers, destroying the most lucrative part of our plant. You know, mm. worth hundreds of thousands. Of, actually, that 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 was two point four million worth of of CBD in that yeah. in that crop yeah. that we destroyed. Now we knew we had a market for a lot of that because we were already selling CBD products, uh, and and it was getting more and more popular, growing faster and faster each year. So we literally had to take that money and send it abroad to regimes like Switzerland, uh, Germany, like other places where they had more sensible hemp licensing. Um, policies uh, and and supportive policies and send our money there meanwhile we're destroying the exact same product in our own field that was the the british policy mm. that was uk policy so that was a uh, that was a ridiculousness of that situation but to be honest with you where we've got to today is um is is is, is a, a position closer to our own hearts we don't think there should be any any licensing of of industrial hemp if the World Health Organization says there is no public health risk for industrial hemp, and therefore it should not be a controlled substance internationally, and the UN also says 
uh, hemp cultivated, industrial hemp cultivated for industrial or horticultural purposes should be exempt from any licensing control. Uh, then, then why is it? Why does it still need a license in in the UK? Mm -hmm. And why are you treated? Uh, as a criminal under the Misuse of Drugs Act, uh, 1971, for growing for growing that plant, mm -hmm. you know, leaving aside all the, all discussions about whether it can get you high and all that stuff, because, mm -hmm. because we know hemp can't get you high, so you don't even have to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, so our our position has now moved round to, um, and and it, and it always was to be honest, uh, not reform, but actually like essentially revolution, scrap the licensing regime, overgrow the regime, grow hemp, render it redundant, and let's all get on with reaping the benefits for, mm. for ourselves, for our health, for our communities and for the planet. Mm. Mm. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about having to cut that crop down was the fact that it drew so much attention to the hypocrisy of it all, um, because people were just up in arms, people were up in arms about it because it's really shedding light on how the licensing isn't serve, isn't serving anyone. Um, in actual fact, it's just creating a barrier between us and actually trying to heal the planet, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of ecology, in terms of biodiversity, in terms of all, all the potential of hemp is just being stifled because we're not, we can't actually grow it freely and therefore we can't research it freely. It's not in abundance for us to bring all these, bring all these ideas and potentials to life. So yeah, it's mm. useless. <laughs> Can I just? Uh, uh, do you have a dog in the room, also, by any chance? No, not anymore. We did though. All right. I can hear like a, it sounded like a squeaky toy, not quite squeaking, or like a dog. Oh, squeaking. it could be my I chair. I, would... I think it's my chair. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I've been you were talking before, but I was trying to keep a stern face. Going, yeah, I agree. It's shit that's happened, but I was hearing the squeaking, and all I could hear, see in my head, was like a cartoon dog slowly <laughs> sort of compressing down on a squeaky bone. That's that's exactly the place that I want everyone to be. To to be honest with you, is to arrive to a point of revolution. It is to to recognise that we exactly that to borrow quite a, an older generational phrase of to overgrow. And I think that it starts with a recognition from, uh, I don't want to say your side of the fence because I don't want there to be a fence. I don't want us to be in separate goddamn fields. But what I mean by that is you're very much within the hemp industry um, because you are agriculturalists, you are farmers, you are with your, your history, your passion and your, your trajectory, you are on, on the right path. And this is something that I kind of rebelled against for many years because I felt that it diluted the conversation when actually it doesn't it, it it builds it so in the same way that a rope is made of strings that are twined together to create its tensile strength that is what is true here that if we have a strong industrial hemp sector or industrial otc cannabis whatever you want to refer to it as if we have a robust and actually open source therapeutic and wellness and uh, adult consumption we have everything across the board because then the the, the communication the passing back and forth of of uh of new discoveries of uh, potential technological applications, I think would then move us forward more in 10 years than we have in, in a hundred years, especially the past hundred years of prohibition. So I think that it, it's, it's, it's brilliant to see, to see you guys call, to calling for this, but I mean, what, what can be done, I suppose, in real terms of actually boots on the ground, as it were, of people actually putting seed to seed to soil. Well, exactly. I mean, this is the beauty of it. It couldn't be simpler. Right? So all anyone needs to do is, is get hold of uh, uh, some hemp seeds, 
plant them in their garden or in their field or in their window box or on their their, their narrow boat, whatever it is, and sign up and say, my name is Joe Bloggs and, and this is my hemp and I'm growing my hemp for whatever reason you're growing your hemp. If it's to harvest for your for your own CBD needs or is it, if it's because you want the, the seeds or is it because you're a farmer and you and you think it's just an incredible agricultural crop that's going to help you in a, a difficult time for farmers. Mm. Um, just just be, be loud and be proud. We'll all stand together and anything, any flat that anyone gets legally or in, in the media or for whatever, in whatever way, we'll, we'll be one collective in solidarity and we'll all support each other. We'll get lawyers uh, and, uh, and lay legal experts and, um, and, and render the, the licensing regime redundant. And every single person that does that uh, makes it much more powerful. So it doesn't really even matter how much hemp we grow. You know, it'd be great to grow hundreds, thousands of acres of hemp, but it's actually more about each person standing up and being counted, you know, because each person is a potential court case and each court case is an opportunity for us to stand up in a public court of record. If it even gets that far, which I doubt it will, because which police force in the country wants to be taking people to court for this, uh, you know, when it's got probably much more important things to do. Um, uh, but each, each court of record, each court case is a court of record. And in that each court of record, the government, the Crown Prosecution Service will have to justify, uh, not just legally, but to some degree ethically and morally, why they're prosecuting someone for growing a plant which ha has no public health threat. The, the, the issue that they're gonna draw back to is without the license, it's cannabis under murder it's cannabis it's it's expressions of its genetics in terms of terpenes flavonoids cannabinoids are irrelevant it is of the genus cannabis so my question i suppose would be and this is again as i kind of mentioned off, off camera earlier as, as to one of the reasons why i started this project is to try to find unity is to find commonality and i think there is something in your call there because effectively those hemp farmers would then be liable for the same cultivation charge that somebody would for growing high THC or any THC or any non-low THC variety of, of, um, of, of cannabis. So uh, with that said, are you aware of the work of uh, Outlaw? Yes, definitely. So out yeah. Outlaw's having some... It's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So, so what I was going to say is yeah, that the nullification of certain charges his legal prosecution service will actually be live now folks do check it out uh, outlaw legal services it will be live by the time you folks are hearing this um yeah and what he's looking to to do is basically they're weaponizing a, a sub-series of precedents that they've got to get people off uh, possession cultivation charges so mm -hmm. i can see that there should then be again I'm, I'm all for the big tent now before i was like nah we're all just camping and that's like nah big tent or nothing is the way we move forward with this so i, I can see that the, there is then potential for a, a nullification of a hemp charge through the mm -hmm. same same sort of mechanism and what their legal services are basically doing is empowering people to stand litigate in person and once you stand litigate in person, you are not upholding to your solicitor's advice, which and they're upholding to the bar. They can't challenge yeah. the law. We as individuals can. So exactly what you're saying about creating that 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 community is already kind of being built in one 
facet for for adult consumption so i think that there are definitely some some conversations to be had there to to find uh ways to amicably support each other it isn't a case of one or the other because the same conversation if it is a violation of of a, a cultivation charge of schedule one class b under mode in 1971 for cannabis or hemp if then the government are forced to look into it and do it, they, they, yeah, they would then look into it and then effectively find that there is no difference other than the arbitrary distinction of one cannabinoid that we put on the plant. And then, so I think that actually you guys going alone or you guys going with everyone else, if it succeeds, it still leads to the same outcome, which is the freedom of the plant ubiquitously. Because then the argument is if they allow hemp without license, the, the one you're saying that okay thc is the problem here so then we'd end up having to reshape and re, readdress how licensing looks for a certain cannabinoid and then if you raid somebody's house and they've then got four or five week old cannabis can you tell me that you're going to be able to tell me how that's going to express without actually growing cultivating it out so we're, we're in a very unique position i think where the yeah i, I definitely want to um behind the scenes as it were put some people in contact with you guys if it'd be all right to see what can be done because there are a lot of people in the legal sector really interested right now in just going hell for leather because it's 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 not only is it wrong it's illegal under their own distinction of the law so it's we're just trying to push for precedent so there's people going down the medical route people going down the adult uh, cultivation um possession etc so yeah i think anything we do to to sharpen a third prong on this would be very good I think we've got to go from all angles, you know, but the biggest lesson I ever learned in in activism is focus on your common, on your common purpose. Uh, You you know, don't spend time fighting laterally, focus on what you want together. And and if you're pushing the same direction, you'll you'll achieve it quicker. And on this, I think we're pushing an open door. I think the zeitgeist on a global level is opening up. Right, and you know our, our our piece of the our piece of the puzzle is 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 in is what people call industrial hemp, and that, and that's because we want to talk about it for its industrial purposes, and we think that that's a no brainer, you know, and so movement on that piece of the puzzle will help things shift in other areas as well, you know, of course, like. I mean, I'll speak for myself, Zina. Um, you know, Zina say what she what she thinks, but like, uh, of course, uh, the the criminalisation of cannabis is ridiculous. You know, I don't I, I don't believe in that at all personally. Um, however, um, I you know I haven't made the whole of cannabis my personal fight. Um, however, I've I've I wanted to create an alternative uh, paradigm for the world that was, that was was the thing that I really believed in. You know, rural, resilient community, cooperatively looking after each other, their communities and the planet uh, in a healthy and holistic way. And I've been criminalised for that. Hempen's been criminalised for that. James, our farmer, has been criminalised for that. And actually, you know, that's that's pushing us into a corner and saying for us to say, look, your distinctions are completely arbitrary. They're not even justified in your own by your own uh, terms. Um, you know, you've pushed us into the corner. We were willing to play the game. We were willing to apply for your licenses. However, you're so corrupt that even that is not possible when a not-for-profit cooperative can't get a license to grow hemp despite doing nothing but goodness in the world. Uh, then you've pushed us into a corner where we have to say, right, it's revolution. Uh, your regime is not fit for purpose, it's corrupt, and uh, we're, we're not going to give it any attention anymore. We're not going to give it any energy. Mm-hmm. So 
we're going to do what we what we what, what we want to do. If you want to come for us, come for us, and we'll stand together. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I applaud the 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 gusto and the gesture f- for sure, and it is something obviously I want to explore, and it's obviously something I'm trying to to push uh, within the conversation. Is that we're all wanting ultimately the, the the same ideals, and actually, if we could remove the stigma, if we could change the preconceptions that are installed within the majority of the populace. There would be no hemp. It would just they would be called industrial cannabis, or we'd call it commercial, or or um, con- constructive, or whatever. Or some some form of term would be would be applied to it. And it's uh, a point I wanted to sort of raise was uh, an American study that found that just arbitrary lifting from zero point two to one percent THC, and the uh, the efficacy in terms of the production of the plant. It's not just in terms of the sheer amount of fiber and cellulose, etc., that is is astronomically increased. The health of the roots in terms of the mycelial connections, the re uh, neutrifying of soils, and especially remediation, so removing of things, increases exponentially. So with that being said, do you think that as is currently being pushed by a few different entities within the UK, that a one, 1% under a licensing system is anything at all, or whether if then the fight is for, or rather if the rebellion is to grow without a license, what is the difference that when, when then does it stop being hemp? If you're then going to do it without a license to grow 0.2, are you then going to grow 0.3? Would you then grow that 1%? Would it, then that that's what I'm sort of trying to because one if the distinction of law is removed, then the impetus to stay either side of it kind of is also removed, especially if it's then for end uh, result in terms of the sheer amount of oil that can be produced, the amount of flowers, the amount of byproducts um, that can be created, and also in terms of options, agricultural options. You know, in in the in the European area, um, if you if you want to take a hemp uh, cultivar off the list to grow, you're restric- you're limited to I don't, you know it was about seventeen or so uh, options, uh, and that's to cover the whole of all European climates. Right, so every, every every geographical condition across the whole of Europe has to be covered mm-hmm. by seventeen cultivars. If we raise if we raised it to one percent, we were up to above a hundred options, right? Mm-hmm. And so that means that farmers have got way more options for their specific soil type, their specific weather conditions, and a more successful agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so yeah, it's it's not only for all the very good reasons you've outlined, you know, Brainer. It's agriculturally it's essential too. Um, and, and and Switzerland have gone for one percent, right? Um, it's interesting in the Channel Islands they've gone for a ratio mm-hmm. um, of what what they're allowed to be sold um, as CBD. Sorry. Um, so they've got they they've said yeah the ratio between the CBD and THC will determine what. Uh, how much THC you can have in in the plant mm-hmm. and what you can grow, and that's an interesting approach. One percent is a, a more simplistic approach and and a good one too. Um, yeah, I, so, think, yeah. I, I think. Um, I think I think ultimately, uh, my my ambition is to see vertical integration. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read a web page in my head. Uh, I can't think of what the company is called, but I saw this amazing. Uh, video that was put together by a company, I think they're in South America currently. And what they've done is they've created an insular uh, energy production facility, cultivating uh, low THC inside. So what they've done is they, they created this base model of 
I think it's five stories. Um, and so it's five, five vertical grow rooms and they put one point something million plants in there and they're growing it for, for biomass to, to feed a generator. But what they're doing is they're pumping atmospheric carbon into it. Obviously, we know this question of uh, in cannabis is 325 kilograms per atmospheric ton, you know, massive mm-hmm. question, potentiality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're pump, pumping this in, the, and they're doing this purely as just uh, as a bi- biomass. But what they've, they've done for the calculations is the CO2 reduction in the area, and then it becomes self-feeding. Obviously, it's then all grown hydroponically as well, so the water reclaim is, is, mm. through, is through the roof. It's obviously missing the uh, properties to be able to sort of help with soil health, but the idea of these the scalable models, so actually the cannabis inside of them is where it never leaves, so my next idea would then be to go the step further, which is then actually you switch it from hemp to cannabis so that you create a, another chambered section where you extract the oils. And then you've got another revenue stream. You've also then got bioethanols that you could produce from it as well to divert out while still creating biomass to burn within the insular incinerators, which then do CO2 uh, capture technology to feed the plants back in. It's a wonderful self-insular model that they've, 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 they've designed, but it's still the first of what's to come if we can get past this whole thing of that has to be medical, that has to be industrial, that has to be people getting potted off, off the heads. You know, I mean, once we can recognize it's all the same plant and actually the removal of the arbitrary restraints would lead to far better products. If we want to then talk about the one in 20,000 people that is potential to have a, a negative temporary psychosis like event um, from the consumption of cannabis, that could be massively negated by much more CBG, much more CBD within um, different cultivars that are on the market or even within just products in the same way that in Amsterdam in a coffee shop, somebody gets a, a wee bit too much on the wacky backy and look at my Mars bar and a, a kind of Coke and the sugar helps, you know, pull around a bit and, on your way, then the consumption space in the future would then be smarter with this. They would use antagonist cannabinoids that would effectively knock THC off. Mm-hmm. So the, the, there is so much more of the, the potential of this if they can all be sort of integrated. And so my next question then would be, if it wasn't for, I suppose, what I've been term- personally terming recently, the medical cannabis industrial complex, do you mm-hmm. think that you guys would also be able to look at the potential of producing all of those agricultural beneficial properties with them producing potentially medical grade oils. Um, what, producing them all together? Yeah, it's, it's obviously because my vision is everything sort of vertically integrated because then if it wasn't for the arbitrary nature of the licenses or now, again, as I'm terming the medical cannabis industrial complex, creating a pay-to-play system and a very restrictive system that means just nobody's getting in from the bottom up, you get in from the top down, you know what I mean? Um, that if that wasn't there, sort of hypothetically, would you see yourselves sort of t- producing larger things? Like that? I know obviously your main thought is towards um, sort of uh, building materials and sort of biocomposites and things like that. But as we've sort of discussed with actually the, the higher productions of the oils increases the production of fibrous materials and everything else. I, I, look, we, we want the freedom to be able to grow whichever type of crop is best for the products we want to produce, right? And, you know, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I just gave the example about the limitation on the, the, the 0.2% versus 1%. But, um, you know, the, current, uh, the currently newly enforced regime in CBD, whereby um, they've had on the books 
this bizarre trace amount of of of, of THC permitted in in any product of, of one milligram. They've had it on the books forever, but they've always known that it was it was a kind of a nonsense. It was such an arbitrarily low uh, amount that they just stuck to what they allowed license growers to grow, which was 0.2% THC in the plant. And they allowed that in the products. And, and you know, in every high street shop that CBD was sold in, it was all 0.2, 0.2. And in March this year, um, they they decided, and I can tell you why I think they did it, um, they decided to, to make it, uh, enforce that regulation, basically, enforce one milligram in any product. And by any product, they didn't just mean any product on the shelf, they meant any product being imported in bulk mm-hmm. so when we got um our license refused this year the, the we we applied for two licenses our farmer here applied and he got rejected on the grounds of history he said they said in, in prior to 2019 you harvested cbd we rejected you in 2019 and we're going to reject you in 2021 again for the same reason okay that's ridiculous but you know we understand it it's, it's ridiculous the reason they rejected hemp in itself on our on a separate site was um, because they said, "Can you prove that when you import your CBD from from abroad, which we make you do, uh, you, that there is less than uh, one milligram in the total bulk container, which is one liter?" Yeah, so that's that's basically impossible, right? Artificially. So, wait, from, from, from phytocannabinoids, yeah, that's basically impossible. Exactly. So, And they know that, right? So they're just being difficult, right? And from our perspective, you know, this is just such a ridiculous restriction. Straight off the bat, we lost um, our biggest selling product. When, when we had to stop um, harvesting our own CBD, we lost our biggest selling product. So every time they enforce one of these regulations part of our business just gets shelved, shaved off, you know, major part of our business. And that, and that makes it increasingly a struggle to survive. So all of these restrictions, we have, we're in no way support supportive of them. They don't work for us as a business and don't work for anyone as a business, except the, the, the corporates. And I'll tell you why, there's, there's, there's these, these different um, restrictions act as barriers to entry into the market. That's essentially what they do. Right. So in the first place, don't allow people to harvest the flowers uh, from from industrial hemp because you're a threat to GW Farmers profits as a a company that has 90 percent of the cannabis patents in the world at the time. What's the point of their patents if any old farmer Giles can harvest harvest his CBD flower, his flowers for CBD, his hemp flowers for CBD? And produce a, a product that is equivalent to some of GW Pharmaceuticals products, you know, namely Satavex, mm-hmm. for much less money and actually a much better standard. <laughs> you know, so don't allow British farmers to do that. Okay, but it's happening around the world now. So, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Okay, at, at that point, in, in comes uh, the the novel foods. Uh, regulation which says okay the cbd is a novel food it's a it's a it's a it's a new food we don't know how it's it's gonna um react to the human body so everyone has to do big trials expensive trials and get special licenses to sell uh cbd um who can do that only people with deep pockets okay so uh that's all that's limiting who can get involved in 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 hemp uh, in CBD extraction at that point, and there's another barrier to entry, and you have to now be, you know, a very a very wealthy enterprise with big financial backing to even walk through the door. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but then, then okay. So, all right. Well, now we're, we're narrowing the range of CBD producers in in Europe uh, rapidly. Um, well, let's 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 throw another one in. Let's say that you can't have more than one milligram in any product, even your bulk import products. Okay, so now you're a CBD extract uh, extractor. You have to extract the THC out of your CBD, and to do that, you have to have a high THC license. Because now you're carrying pure uh, pure THC, which is um, you know according to the law terribly dangerous, and so you have to have a high THC license. Now to get a high THC license in this country is going to cost you at least ten million pounds, uh, and even then you're not going to be guaranteed getting one. So who can get all of those licenses? You know, and and who is it protecting? It's only protecting the corporates. It's only protecting the big pharmaceuticals in the first place, and then the corporates coming in after them, and it's forcing out all of the grassroots. It's also um, setting setting up the the ground for synthetic and isolate extracts because to have to be below that artificially ridiculous 0.01%, then you're really looking at you're really looking at synthetic isolates, and so it's re- pushing out all the whole plant um, organic natural extracts that actually the successful part of this in- industry ha- and uh, like small medium sized businesses has built up over the last few years and has successfully you know has successfully um, been healing. Um, people from all sorts of ailments um and ill and chronic illnesses um and we're not going to see that type of um efficacy mm. of the of the oils if we're having isolates as well one of our one of our suppliers um actually didn't even bother um submitting a novel foods license for the broad spectrum extract because they had got the advice from their lawyers that it probably wouldn't get through and currently only their synthetic isolate has been has been pre got the pre-validation so it's just it's just showing showing the way that this is that this is going and it's really it's kind of like a race to who can capture the 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 mainstream narrative of um you know whole plants better or no isolates better and isolate is is reinforced under the guise of like safety and uh, safety and quality and pharmaceutical grade Mm. um but that you know we we, we've been we were making organic uk cbd which was which was admittedly actually reasonably like low cbd strength it was like three percent strength yet we were having astounding results from it and hence why it was our most popular product as well Mm. And so you see that it's not just growers, it's not just producers, it's also the consumers now are, are being shortchanged across across the board, right? Well, you, the people who are using CBD regularly, and this is not, you know, not the likes of your average li- listeners, but this is, you know, people's grandma and granddaddy would never touch cannabis in their life and would never consider touching, you know, cannabis, even though we, we all know it is cannabis in their life. They're totally committed to the, these products, and because it's it's changing their lives, and uh, and now they've been told no, you can only have a shit synthetic version. Pardon me for yeah. swearing, I'm not sure. No, I've... if that's all right. Oh. <laughs> please, please, we have to get, we have we have to get in the swearing quarter because Macca isn't here. 
Um, <laughs> he's, he's Irish, bless him. So it's, it's every other word. But I'm Northern, so it's like my third word. So yeah, we get there. Um, no, but I was. I, I, I was. Um, I was going Sorry. I'm secretly smiling, or now quite openly smiling, because this is everything I said three years ago. Anybody that can be bothered to go back, look on my Facebook and watch me paranoially ranting about the direction of where things were goddamn going. And now what we've seen is the creation of the ACI, the CMC. We've seen things a bit funneled and devised off. So we then, saw, as you saw with the uh, Noble Foods designation, as you've said, through then to the FSA being given the keys to the kingdom and then being blindfolded and, and spun around and having both arms tied behind the back and then kicked into a room and said, go sort this shit out. It's kind of a reason this is a car, the car crash right now. You know what I mean? The whole industry is deliberately being set up uh, to fail. And it is coming from the same thing. It is exactly, I'm terming it the medical cannabis industrial complex because that is what they are. So anything that in any which way has efficacy or can improve or uh, a condition or reduce the symptoms of one automatically under their distinction has to be medical. So it has to fall within their remit, it has to fall within these archaic systems. The old pharmacology doesn't survive the new world that we know of, of, of using ca uh, cannabis, especially with the science that is emerging now of co-crystallization of terpenes and cannabinoids creating far greater efficacy. We're starting to really crack the idea of the entourage effect where I can hear it like uh, how good my headphones are. I can hear it coming. And then I got like nervous when <laughs> someone's going to hit me and just went to zoom. Um, yeah. So the, the distinctions, the arbitrary distinctions that have then been created, whether you go, Oh, we're wellness and oh no, we're, we're, we're hemp and we're, the, yeah, the consumers may be different. The marketing may be different, but the plant is the same. And actually from this conversation, all I've, I've heard here is, is commonality is that actually the way we get everything on all sides, the way we have the recreational clubs, the way we have the cooperative uh, growers that can produce their own extracts and create real bespoke, real craft uh, niche products to frankly a higher standard than most of the regulations that are currently put forward within, again, the medical cannabis industrial complex. And I think that the power that they've got towards patents, you've got to remember, as you said, GW own some unbelievable synthetic patents. So you look at them, what's happening again with, with certain companies, the David Beckham backed venture of cellular goods. They deliberately got in early, crashed out on the market because they're holding for something that is coming, a change in regulation. The same with this NFL star and peels, the orange peel synthetic one. There's a, another company, in fact, there's two companies that I think I'm aware of. Yeah, I think it's two that are at war with each other trying to produce the first yeast extract to market. But again, somebody already owns the patent, so I think they're trying to skirt around that. You've then got major lawsuits going down between Canopy and GW and things like that. Um, you've then got what's going to be effectively have to be a review of the Cancer Act in this country because of when Jazz have bought GW and the patents that they own around cannabinoids causing apoptosis, cannabinoids uh, and certain conjunction uh, combinations of cannabinoids, um, really having a powerful, powerful effect on some of the most destructive uh, conditions that we know. I mean, the, the consensus science is slowly moving towards this idea of chronic endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. When that becomes the consensus science, all of these other plant-derived medications, all of these synthetic pills and everything else that they've spent a century building become useless and everything is about cannabis. So it's who then holds the patent, who then is the man that signs the license. He's the one you've got to pay, pay in the backroom deal. And that's what they've set themselves up for. So a lot of these guys started as companies and went, no, 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 no. let's regulate this shit. Then the regulators went, no, 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 let's license this shit. And so the, the war is going on between people trying to own the auto neutral genetics, you know, the daylight neutral genetics that make an auto flower strain. 
Um, you've got then people working on um, trying to patent um, combinations of terpenes and cannabinoids, which means effectively they could patent cultivars different, what we currently call in old language strains. So there's all kinds of corruption going on within the huge corporate level that actually, if we are not them, we are all each other. So there is the, mm. you, your fight to grow your tall, skinny, fibrous, wonderful, low cannabis, uh, TH, uh, THC cannabis plants is the same for me to grow my big, bushy, resinous, lovely knockout weed at home. It's the same. That's what I'm trying to get my audience and anyone that engages in my content to, to try to, to recognize is the blinkers that have been placed on us, the arbitrary distinctions that have been forced into, into our consciousness, the, the, the very vernacular that we use to, to discuss this has been designed by them to divide us. So every time we say hemp, we're saying that cannabis isn't hemp. So therefore cannabis is only what gets you high. It's not gonna build any of these things. In the same way, if we say medical cannabis, we're saying that hemp and, and cannabis are not medical. So we have to be very careful of the, the languages that we use. So I suppose one of the things I wanted to bring up for the audience was the, um, the root, I suppose, the nomenclature, uh, the, the term of sort of hemp. So hemp comes from uh, the old, old Germanic and is very of the European continent. It works its way through Saxon and then comes through into modern English. It goes through like hemp and hemp, uh, hanap and then hemp, hemp. I think I've mixed the order up there. Um, and then cannabis sativa or cannabis sativa L that we get as in from the Latin, that is then became in the 1700s the... Um, sort of collective botanical name. So when they started writing the global encyclopedias, documenting the flora and fauna of the world, they had to pick on the one sort of term across it. And the point that I want sort of people to, to, to I suppose, meditate on for a second is the idea of whenever you see in America, they'll talk about cannabis when it's the big boys playing and they're building these huge companies and the dispensaries. But as soon as somebody's caught up illegally, it's still marijuana. They're still, until we have this consensus within the language, they will still be able to change it subtly enough that it means that the, the viewer, the observer of that conversation then automatically falls to a bias. Because I'm cannabis and because you're hemp, as it were, for the, for the sake of this argument, the connotations are human trafficking from my side of it. You know, it's, it's kids in hoodies in parks. You know, I mean, it's it's the obnoxious side of it. It's the criminality. Whereas when people are thinking of hemp, they think sort of, they think of the hippies and they think of running through glorious fields. And it's the connotations that are in our minds that have been solidified there by media. And th that I think is the greatest impediment we face is that until we can have these conversations, until we can find and express that commonality. And again, I'm not going to say to you guys, just stop, stop saying hemp. That's not what I'm sort of saying here. I'm trying to, I air quote it whenever I write about hemp or medical cannabis to say that I'm meaning the colloquial understanding of the word, not meaning hemp instead of cannabis, using it as it's understood today. And I think that if we can do that more in our, our conversations, we don't unintentionally paint the other as another, which is something I'm trying to be really mindful of myself. It's something I've been trying to be mindful of the entirety of this, this recording, is that again, I'm not against hemp and of I may have presented against hemp in the past, but I'm not really. I'm just trying to be, I'm fighting for the, the recognition of it all, that hemp is the, the collection of low THC cultivars of cannabis. Absolutely. And, and you know, from my background as, as a campaigner, there was always a, there was always a divide and rule tactic of good protester, bad protester, or good activist, bad activist. You know, activists do this kind of action. They're nice, you know, if they're, 
you know, peaceful and polite and, you know, uh, vote for the right, you know, right people, that that's all right. And if they're noisy and and, and aggressive and uh, take direct action, they're, they're bad protesters. There was always that. There was always that going on. And, and that's a divide and rule tactic. And we have got to be vigilant to them, even ones that started historically a long, long time ago. Um, and we know, you know, your, your, your listeners will know the history of how cannabis was 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 criminalized you know it was it was done with, uh, for corrupt reasons and it was done using the sort of inherent racism of america at the time to um you know demonize a plant uh, as a whole so that its uh, industrial benefits couldn't um you know threaten certain industries mm. uh, and you know 60 70 uh, 80 years later, even we're still we're still dealing with the consequences of that. But in in the history of the plant, that's a blip. That's nothing. Yeah. You know, that's nothing. You know, thousands and thousands of years of history. Uh, and now, look, everyone and their grandma is using some form of cannabis product in in the UK today. Mm. Uh, and and they're starting to realise that yeah, I am using cannabis. You know, and I'm using it because it really works. Uh, and I'm and I'm I'm and when I use it in this way, I call it hemp. And when I use it that way, I call it med- medical cannabis. And when my uh, my cousin or my grandson or whoever it is smokes in the park, well, they call it marijuana. It's all the same plant. It's all the same plant. It's just different variations. And people are getting to that by different degrees, but by using the plant in their own way, they're finding their own their own way in. I think I think it is such an important point that you raise, though, that it needs to, it, that that issue needs to be bridged, and there does need to be now an evolution of the terminology that we use, um, because it, it, like you say, it is it is the same, it is the same plan, and also, I mean, I think the wording has helped in a way to reintroduce it gently kind of back into society into into you know populations that necessarily wouldn't have ever have touched cannabis again mm-hmm. you know because they there is just such a strong stigma behind it all and i think that hemp had the terminology of kind of separating it has helped it to kind of be reintroduced to the population to um you know lots of lots of um middle-aged people um who smoked it you know once once back in the day and you know would, wouldn't eat would can't couldn't even think about using it again and so i think it has it's had a role to play but there is we need to we need to now evolve that onto onto the next onto the next onto the next step of this, um, and, and that's a reason why I've always had a problem with the fact that it's called CBD oil, you know, because actually that is not just CBD, um, that is a, a whole plant extract of cannabis, um, and that you know it needs to be called cannabis oil. Uh, you know there are um, lots of other constituents within that oil that actually create and ensure that it is a very um, therapeutic oil and enhances it all of its properties and so it, it even in even in the way that it's 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 been called CBD on its own ha- has catered to the more pharmaceutical mm. um, perspective or, or idea of what they want that oil to be. Um, so, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting talking to uh, one of my chemist friends not too long ago, who's quite intimately involved in uh, the industry. Um, the medical cannabis professionals effectively consider anything that isn't a cannabinoid a contaminant. 
That's what the medical industrial, the medical cannabis industrial complex sees this as. Cannabis is a cannabinoid delivery device. Mm. So even though we all know that the, the combustion vaporization of all of it as a composite material has profound effects on a multitude of pathways within the brain, not just within the cannabis receptors, they're trying to mitigate these um, undesirable and unpredictable side effects. Again, this is the language that they're using. They want single compounds, especially isolate compounds, and especially more so now when you look at the terminology. So 2018, <clears throat> we were very much astroturfed as a, as a collective community in this country, believing that we were going to get air quotes, medical cannabis, American style. We grow it ourselves, we self-diagnose, and we just go, cannabis is cannabis, I use it for this, therefore... It's therapeutic for me. Um, and then they came out of this with Schedule 2 under 2001 Misuse of Drugs Act, which said that they created a thing for cannabis-based, uh, cannabis-based, uh, cannabis-based medical products designed for human consumption is, is what the, the terminology of it. And so when you break that down, when you actually look at the, the subcategorization of what it means, it's the combination of a cannabinoid and a, a, a classic pharmacological drug. So actually, even within the one nuance of the licensing, the way they've got away with prescribing herbal flowers at the minute is A, under section A of that, it says that um, uh, com vapor uh, combustion will nullify your prescription, so you have to then vaporize it. So there's an argument to be made about limitation, but we're not going to go into that. Um, but they, they deliberately put this in place so that they now can prescribe it as an unlicensed medication in floral form. And then it, it seems to me in my paranoid brain, if you want to call it that, that it's, it's data collection. So then as they're coming back, they're getting these huge data sets on, on all of these individual conditions. If we then look at a lot of the funding and where this is coming from, there was a, an article in the extract recently, for all I don't particularly read that all that too much, um, showing links between some of the recent Oxford studies and uh, big tobacco companies. So we already know that there are large vested interests pushing the, the direction of research towards the conclusion that they've already decided when they wrote that act in 2018. This isn't just new. They didn't just decide to give the FSA regulation of this. This has all been working towards this. This is part of an incremental plan that was concocted by industries far beyond our understanding. You know, the same thing of what happened in, in Canada. It was written for almost a social uh, enterprise moving forward. Then it got very much manipulated into this very large pay-to-play system. And then as soon as alcohol and tobacco put their money into it, it went through the fucking roof. And then you ended up with this huge bastardized commercial model that the majority of people, even if they're making good money in it, are still like, we don't like this. This is not what we had in mind. This is not what we, we see as a, as a viable industry. And, and, this, and this, this is, you know, we're seeing in this, in this industry, the pharmaceuticalization of our health. Um, so we've got a bit of background noise. Uh, we're, we're seeing the pharmaceuticalization of our health. And basically what that means is that profit comes before your health. Right, their profit becomes before your health. Regulate it becomes not only before your health; it becomes before safety. If that was ever a concern, you know, safety is often used as a justification for regulation, which is really just about making profit. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, this is this is why I say you know, the plant is coming through. Right, cannabis, whether it's called hemp or whatever, uh, in in whatever form is 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 coming through. Uh, into the human consciousness again. There's a renaissance. It's coming back. 
right? It's, it's, not, it's not even a revolution, it's a renaissance. And uh, it's coming back across the board and corporate capitalism is looking to capture that and do what it does, which is create car- cartel monopolies and use its friends and governments who are in their pay, basically, to make sure that the regulations suit their, their, their bank balances, you know, and suit their future, their future growth trajectories and their share prices. And, and they're very effective at doing that. And they do it in every industry. We're not special. It's just that we're seeing this because it's been newly released. You know, cannabis has been so held back. Hemp has been so held back for so many years that actually uh, cartel capitalism didn't get to have a go at it until now. And so we're now seeing it happen at warp speed. You know, we've watched it in just in the lifetime of hemp going from no one really even knowing what CBD is to this re- extreme form of regulation with all these barriers to entry and uh and yeah corporate corporate cartels forming right in front of our eyes yeah it's 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 interesting isn't it that they criminalized cannabis and then they said it was bad because of the culture that arose from it the the criminal element that arose from criminalizing cannabis was then a self-justifying um, mechanism as to why the continuation of this. Then obviously, yeah, we discover, oh, this is this endocannabinoid system. What's this? There's an interesting actually correlation between the international discovery or the international awareness of the endocannabinoid system and the UK allowing the first uh, licensing of hemp in the UK. So it is, it is, it is quite interesting correlation. You then look at the Royal Commission in 1997. Um, is it Philip Green, Robson Green. I'm thinking of Robson Green now. I've just messed up my head. Um, the gentleman who I can't think of, uh, did the, the Royal Commission basically came back uh, with a report saying that, yeah, cannabis is, is basically, I suppose, benign in terms of threat, but has a great deal of potentiality as a therapeutic, should be decriminalized and research should be done immediately. Within six months, GW was formed. Within uh, three years, the law was changed to allow them to be able to prescribe products. That's what created the 2001 Misuse of Drugs Regulations. And then since then, they have gone on a spree in terms of patent and research. Um, Which is interesting uh, also when they they said that you can't harvest the flowers, right? uh, A licensed hemp farmers in, in the UK can't harvest flowers in 2001. There you go. So again, what a threat it would be. Again, yeah, correlatory, because it, again, it's it's very difficult to under, to know what a crop is going to be until it is cropped, until it has had its final end result. Even then, if you're then testing a plant that is wet, you're going to have the acidic forms of them. Under the first draft of most of the misuse regulations, acidic forms of the cannabinoids weren't even considered. So it's five final products. So there, there's so many loopholes and little bits that can be exploited in different ways to create viable defenses, as we were talking about before, to cultivate en masse. I think that what kind of needs to happen now at this point is, like I said, is the uh, reaching of an olive branch across across industries. And I know that that's quite hard. I know I'm taking flack in certain corners from um, the, the traditional vendor market or the legacy market, but I'm, I'm trying to fight to protect them. It's, it's because of the the criminals that have been before me, the activists that have come before me, that I'm able to do what I do with basic impunity. I can go and shout in the face of a cop and walk away. I can live I can live stream accosting police in the, in the street with weed and and it not be an issue. You know, we let a thousand people through fucking Cardiff and we got the cops either side. It was high as shit. We just kept blowing smoke in the face and they just laughed all day. It was wonderful. But I can only do that. Because people have suffered, because people have gone to prison, because people have died, because people have lived in unbelievable anguish and misery because they want to be a legally a good person. 
And the same is then true for what you guys have then done in this interim of this period of like 2014 through to like 2019 of this real renaissance, like you say, of this revolution within middle class and uh, within, I don't want to say the bourgeois, but within people that would see cannabis as a very low class thing. You know, it smells and it's the very lazy and they're going to be lying around and the, the reggae music or whatever preconceptions, you know what I mean? And I think, as you said earlier, it's these distinctions have allowed us to develop sub pockets but i think now is the time to recognize that we are together and, and, and to unify in that and I, i'm not quite sure how how we do that because there are some people obviously opposed to any form of change because the status quo is pretty good for them whether that be criminal dealers organizing on mass or whether it be the corporates on the other sort of side of it but if we recognize that we're not either of them then surely everyone else is in the same boat yeah i mean look like it's interesting because I, I, um, getting getting high is just one use of cannabis, right? But it's the one use that carried it from uh, this widespread use plant, plant the first billion dollar crop. You know, everyone getting very excited about it, needing it to win wars, etc. I mean, not that winning wars is important, but like you know, that's the, the you know the, the level of seriousness with which many many countries and most of the world took hemp and cannabis um it's only because it got people high that people carried carried the flame so to speak through the dark years where you weren't allowed to do anything with it where you weren't even allowed to be licensed to grow it as industrial hemp in most countries you know so that little one feature of it has carried it through and has, has carried the flame for lots of people to, to keep connecting with the plant and keep learning about all of its other benefits as well as, as, as that one uh, medical, industrial, wellness, therapeutic, uh, construction, whatever it is. Um, and, and now, now we've, we've come through that dark period and we're, we're ready to join all of those uses up together and say the plant, you, you know, I will say, I always make this joke, is like, if if there are aliens that are like looking after us, they must have left this plant here to help us because it does so many things. You're playing top trumps and you've got cannabis or hemp, you've got top points in every category. It's not fair, right? Why is it so good nutritionally? Why is it so good medicinally? Why is it such an amazing fabric and fiber? Why is it making amazing biocomposites? And why is it produce some of the best built construction materials we know about at the moment, right? It, this is crazy, you know? So where's this plant come from? We don't know, but it's here. And and, uh, you know, we need it to help the, the crisis that the planet is in at the moment. Uh, and we cannot allow uh, corporate capitalism to do what it does, which is hold it back, weaken its efficacy, divide us, uh, and while, also, while they profit from it, um, because it's too important. It's too important for the for the healing of this planet. And you know, we know that they do that across the board. Um, but this is this is the one area that's new and we we can actually um have a good fight on and we can win. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just as you say, the right to get high, the right to grow a plant. It is now a fight for our lives. Yeah. We have seen within the past month, you know, flooding in Belgium, France, Germany, China, New York, London. You then got a place like Turkey, Canada, Greece, uh, you know, on fire. It's 
the, the the collective ecology of the world is in crisis and i think we're we're at a point of recognizing that capitalism isn't compatible with the continuation of the human species that if we continue on with the trajectory that we're on life is not just going to end but the this the the walk towards that slow painful miserable death is going to be vile and abhorrent and people are going to become vicious and bitter and, and resentful. I mean, we're seeing this with through sort of COVID. I mean, yeah, there's been great community effort and whatever else, but there's also been a, a lot of people who've just gone, oh, screw this. They, they, they are literally waiting for an apocalypse. And I think that, as Bob Marley said, the cannabis is the healing of a nation. And he also said that, that, that alcohol is its ruin. And I think that's kind of where we are now as a, a culturally, that the pubs are given special dispensation with the these harm reduction facilities for an intoxicant that kills about 10% of the UK population. It's twice the global average. I mean, alcohol kills from World Health Organization or statistics, 5% of all uh, deaths in the world are directly attributable to it. And this isn't including new information that they've just found that it's comorbid and I think five different new other types of cancer. So we can literally, if we swap then again, those, those two substances out, it can be hugely, massively beneficial. Then as we said, if we're talking about carbon sequestration, if we can then start to deal with that, we then don't have to move too far towards a carbon tax and actually then just creating a greenwashing situation where the same corporate entities will own the idea of renewables and sustainable and they'll create a new narrative that 50 years down the line will have to be fighting for another revolution to change, whereas cannabis is the ultimate ubiquitous resource. You know, I mean, it's it's got an intrinsic nature to it. I've said this a few times recently and I sound like a, a hippie, but it it self uh, hermaphrodizes because it knows when it's in a nice environment. It literally goes, boom, I'm going to produce seeds. I'm going to re regrow through generations here. We know through genetic drift that hemp can't actually self-sustain through one or two cycles, that you have to go crop into crop because the genetic drift of it means it wants to produce THC. You stress a plant, its natural response is to produce THC. Um, I've gone a bit from where I was, but my point is that with the, the different sort of avenues that could be explored with this are far beyond that of the, um, the substance of the drug. As you said, it, that was the one excuse that we've got from holding it back. But ironically, it's consumption in terms of what it does to the consciousness, I think is so profound. Because if you want to get the guy that's driving in his Lamborghini, that, that's burning all the fuel in the world, that's in, investing tens of thousands a year in fast fashion, you know what I mean? That, that's polluting through every industry that they're, they're consuming through to have an awareness of what they're doing, it isn't going to be through taxing. It isn't going to be through an impediment financially because it's not going to harm them, really. You need them to have a visceral experience. As you said, it is THC and the intoxicant nature, the euphoric nature of cannabis is what allowed this knowledge to be brought into the world. And I think that it's that that's going to kick us up the arse to go, shit, if we don't apply this, we're done. We are done. We're still mining for lithium. We're sending kids down in, in underground in unbelievable situations to get components for mobile phones and shit. The, the, for, for industry that it only exists now to self-perpetuate endless cyclical growth of capitalism. Yeah, and I think I think we see that with um, like THC use that's going on now when people are using like the RSO or FICO oil in order to heal their cancers and uh, other chronic illnesses. And that a byproduct of that is that 
then people are connecting connecting to the plant in that more in yeah ethereal way and like it's it's such a heart opener and people are starting to reconnect with themselves their their um their 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 relations and it's just it's opening people up to a different yeah a, a different way of seeing the world and i think that is another way in which cannabis is going to is going to like come come back um to 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 heal the heal the planet um is is, is through is through that way and, and whether whether i mean i don't not completely sure but whether that's taking thc through pharmaceutical avenues or whether that's taking thc that bob down the roads made for for them you know that the, the experience of connecting to that plan in that way is would still be the same, um, and hopefully, therefore, open open up that open open up those doorways to for a bit more self reflection um, and to um, look at different ways of of living and with, and with with themselves and with each other and with the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I also think that there, there is a difference between. Bob down the road and pharmaceutical option. And I think that that's also the difference between um, life, the fight for life and the fight for a, a decent quality of life. Mm. You know, um, the pharmaceutical industry uh, will be very happy for us to survive, but be, be feeble and weak because then it can sell us more pharmaceuticals, you know? And, yeah. and one of its problems with full spectrum, holistic, uh, cannabis extracts, you know, CBD oil, whatever you want to call it. it. One of their problems with it is that it undermines not it undermines a, a whole host of their products. You know, it's not just that they want to protect their cannabis products; it's that they want to protect all their products. And when people start connecting with holistic herbal health, yeah. you know, and and this very one, this very powerful plant, but Zena's a herbalist. She can tell you about many, many plants that can heal all manner of. Uh, of, of ailments, uh, cannabis just being one of them, um, they don't need to go to these pharmaceutical industries. You don't, we, we, we don't need these corporate structures. We can look after ourselves in our own homes, in our own communities, and, uh, and have some control over that and actually have some understanding. Uh, and we don't have to destroy the planet to do it. We actually connect to our to the plants we connect to our gardens we connect to our communities and start to bring in that collective care ethic of connection uh and and holism uh rather than the pharmaceutical uh, uh ethic of disconnection division uh and symptom suppression you know yeah well exactly that i mean it's <laughs> Yeah, cannabis isn't a panacea, but because of its unique way in which it um, supplements your endocannabinoid system, especially, as you said, full plant uh, fecal oils, because of it was, it was saying before about the core crystallization between and, and synergy between uh, the terpenes, flavonoids, and cannabinoids, it, it just it increases the efficacy to a whole new level. And like you said, it's not just... Um, dealing with symptom suppression, it actually, you are talking about healing, whereas the pharmaceutical industry are interested in maintenance drugs. Yeah. They want to give you just enough, but you keep coming back to me to buy it. Whereas actually the a lot of the original sort of research and majority, vast majority of it obviously is anecdotal uh, that comes from the community itself is of people resetting, you know, asthmatics, no longer being asthmatic. You know, people, uh, obviously, yeah, we've talked about with, with, with cancers and things like this, but p- people actually fully putting into remission chronic 
ailments. Like then, then they consume in terms of just a conscious thing of going, I just want to smoke a bit of weed tonight. And actually the, the gums don't distinguish between whether they're enjoying to sit on the couch to do it or whether it's topping up that system to prevent a relapse into whatever that condition was. And I think that the autonomy, that is the, the most powerful thing. This is why I advocate amongst uh, above everything, sorry, is for the right to grow our own, is that going from this little thing, planting it and nurturing it, watering it every day and, and waking up and waiting for the light to come on and sticking your head round. And then all of that love, all of that energy, that interconnection that you have with this thing, it's like raising a child. You know what I mean? It changes the structure of your brain. You want to talk about dealing with depression and anxiety, if you're having to deal with someone like that. And then the, the reward of then the, that that visceral sort of um, connection to this plant. It's not just, oh, I've taken a pill and you're a bit later, oh yeah, I feel better now. It's you notice the whole thing, the experience and, and the connection to it is, is primal, truly primal. And I think that once you have that with that, you recognize that actually, yeah, I'm gonna go for a walk. You know what I mean? Just out of the blue, you start to hear yourself. You want instinct going, drink some water. Oh yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm thirsty. You know what I mean? Ah, I shouldn't eat that. You know, your instincts start to kick back in. Your intrinsic intelligence starts to, to come alive again. And you're not just a docile consumer waiting to be pumped to the next advert to go, yeah, I'll go to McDonald's and I've just seen the giant M or I'll pull over and I'll get a coffee because it's there. Or I'll do, you know, you actively start to go, how do I feel? What do I want? And you have a very different relationship with the world. That is antithetical. To, to, uh, to capitalism. And that is the scariest thing of this. It's what they recognize with cannabis because it causes metacognition and introspection. People then smoke, it's like Bill Hicks said, cannabis does not make you lazy. It just makes you realize that a lot of the shit you do isn't worth doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that, and that's why your help back in terms of wanting, obviously there is the industrialized reasoning for it and the benefit of the petroleum industry of plastics, et cetera. But the main one is this social social idea of, of the actually they can't con control that. They currently control it. It's been a controlled drug for 50 years. Yeah, there's there's four or five million of us. You know, what I mean, it's 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 a it's a joke of a narrative. We're already here. There is already an industry here. There is already 10, uh, 10 billion a year made on sex and drugs in the UK. A large portion of that is cannabis. All we want is legitimacy, whether it be to, as you guys are seeking to cultivate the agricultural potential benefits of it, or whether it's then people wanting to cultivate plants to produce into oils or extracts to on some form, yes, heal people, or in others, just allow them to access a deeper part of their consciousness. I don't think the distinction should be made by the regulators, the distinction should be made by the consumers because I qualify for medical, air quotes, medical cannabis, but I'm sure as hell not going to consume it. I'm going to keep growing and consuming and, and accessing the, the illicit weed that I know does far better for me, that I don't feel it would be disingenuous to then prop up a system that for all I recognize it needs to exist. It has legitimacy and it has purpose, but it can only exist in a world of true knowledge not when they're sat hiding 90% of, of the information of this plant so that they can trick out little dots, uh, dribbles and drabs of information attached to patented products like the Sativex trials that we're seeing now. And this is across the board, right? You know, we're talking about in the context of cannabis, but let's be clear, from my perspective, from, from you know, at least the 1970s, the whole pharmaceutical industry model, and probably before that, actually, but from least it has been, always been treatment, not cure. <laughs> 
So like you say, keep someone having to take a pill every day rather than giving them a, a cure that solves their problem in, in, a, in a meaningful and deep way once and for all. Treat the, suppress the symptoms every day and actually build up bigger problems down the line, which then you can then sell them more pharmaceutical problem, uh, products to, to deal with. And the, the first, each, each pharmaceutical product has its own set of side effects, which you need more pharmaceutical products for. And look, at this point, you know, this is like, uh, I, I would say that the pharmaceutical industry is effectively like the war industry. It's like the, the, the weapons industry. It's exploitative and it, and it doesn't peddle anything to do with health. It peddles illness mm-hmm. and, and ultimately death. Sick care rather than healthcare. It, it, yeah. Exactly, it's sick care rather than healthcare, and yeah. we are the the terrain of the of warfare. Our bodies and our minds, and they make us think that only they have the solution to our uh, our health problems. When often the opposite is true, and when we can, as a community and as people, as individuals, as community, build up that folk knowledge of how to heal ourselves, which was basically taken away from us, you know, with the burning of the witches and the suppression of women and the hierarchalization of the, uh, of medical treatment, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Ago, but in other countries around the world it's happening today right you know in britain it happened you know 400 500 plus years ago and and, and continued but the, the the sooner we can get back to that the sooner we can take back our own power empower ourselves heal ourselves and when we heal ourselves we realize that we're connected to this whole planet we're, we're all one here and we can start healing the planet as as well as stopping to destroy it mm. I mean, this one of the points sort of to to sort of muse on is that actually if they can position themselves to be the perce- the perceived healers to actually be able to deal with the cancer pandemic that has been going off as to why in my lifetime I was born in a world of one in four chance to now one in two chance if they can present themselves as that then then obviously not the ones who are giving us cancer they're not the ones polluting the air or the water or putting glyphosate on our foods. Or do you know what I mean? And I think that is a real big part of this is that we as individuals don't want to die. We don't want to kill ourselves. We want to make informed choices. And we think we are. So when everyone was smoking in the fifties going, Oh, you got a bit of a coffee, have a cigarette. It'll clear you out. You know, we're, we're being misled. We're being lied to and manipulated. And it is no different than any other big lie. And that is the, the ultimate lie here is that, in some way, all cannabis isn't cannabis. That in some way, the, this plant that has been here beyond before humans, it would seem. I mean, the agricultural studies that they did to it, I think put it on the Tibetan plateau 28 million years ago. You know I mean? Long pre before you've got modern homo, uh, homo sapiens, homo sapiens sapiens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 it's mental. This, this hundred years of a blip, we then look at the what's happened with the world. If you look at, as we touched on before, environmental, you can actually plot when it, the hemp tax was put in place in 1937 in America, and then when eradication started in the 70s globally. You can plot where the temperatures start to go up, where desertification increases, where deforestation increases, because again, they were moved away from using it as a, as a pulp to make into paper, which is what it was majority used for before they start to create the modern timber pulp uh, industry, which then actually produces the second most pollutant and toxin in the world, dioxins. 
you know, this, they, they've created all of these industries that are hugely destructive. And I mean, again, same with uh, the pesticides put on cotton for fast fashion. That's like 50% of, of, uh, of all pesticides. No, I'm reading the wrong statistic in my head. It's 25% of all pesticides is used in cotton in, in, in fashion. That is insanity. If that was all again reverted back to then hemp, we know about the durability and the, the of how long, much longer it'll last, about what it'll do for remediation of the soil, what it'll do for its natural pesticide, um, no need for fertilizers, et cetera. So there's all of these different avenues. I mean, we've touched on so much in probably quite a sporadic different order, but I think that <laughs> it, 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 it comes down to my, if we're still talking about fences, my side of the fence has to recognize that without your knowledge, we're going to kill the planet faster. These corporations and their corporate greenhouses, they're negating the, the potential to sequester carbon. They're negating the plastics and the timber and all of the other potential industry they could offset because they're mulching it, they're binning it, because they don't care about it, because they want the flour. In the same way that you guys haven't bin the flour because you then want the materials. There's a problem here. If we can get this lot together, we can see how that every time a plant is grown, everything, everything is beneficial. There are derivable terpenes from cannabis roots, I've just discovered recently. As, as Trev reminds me every time I got them seeing, you know, you can make gunpowder out of cannabis roots, well, yeah, we've got to be careful with the terrorism act whenever we say that shit. But there's, there's all of these derivable technologies and potential uh, applications of this plant that every time it is grown, whether it be in somebody's bedroom or in a field on mass, every part of it should be used because it has the potential to save the planet, to offset this, this horrible kilter of wealth inequality, you know, to end homelessness by building affordable homes that actually then sequester further carbon. The next generation of battery technology and cannabis graphene quantum capacitors you know, I mean, then we're not even talking about graphene oxide in terms of the potential medical applications of something like that. It's we are scratching a Star Trek future and it starts with us having these kind of conversations. So I hope anybody that has, has listened to this and has taken anything on board will will hopefully do more research in, into all of this. And I'm, what I mean by that is to not pick a side. And I'm trying very hard to hold my hands up. I've done it in the past, guys. It, it's difficult not to, but all cannabis is cannabis whatever we choose to call it, however we want to define it, it is still all of the same uh, the same genus of cannabis sativa L and any of the knowledge that we have, if we share together, we will have a better understanding, we will have a better uh, language and a better ability to understand the very nature of this plant and its potential to, to save us all, frankly. <laughs> Absolutely, and let's not forget that it's, it's not just cannabis that's facing these kind of issues. Like, let's look at what's happening in, in the world of fungi and mushrooms, mm. you know? There's 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 a certain set of mushrooms that get you high, and actually there's they have incredibly therapeutic and social benefit. Um, and uh, imagine if we were in a situation where because these these mushrooms get you high and and they're regulated uh, criminally, uh, which I which I don't agree with by the way. Uh, you can buy button mushrooms uh, from a farmer who wasn't licensed to grow them, or or you know, oyster mushrooms, or reishi mushrooms, or or some of these medicinal mushrooms now coming through. Uh, you know, this is this this you know this is the next. Uh, I think mushrooms and fungi are the next cannabis and hemp. You know, hopefully they won't have to go through some of the same uh, painful uh, periods that the, the cannabis industry has had to go through, and hopefully it can happen much faster. Yeah. But hopefully we can also the corporate capture of it as well. Um, and and the more people again link all these things together, like all the pieces matter. Let's not become uh, you know monocroppers of of hemp as a solution to all the world. The world's 
uh, hemp and cannabis as a solution to all world's problems. It's part of the picture. It's mm. part of the mix. And, you know, at Hemp and Whip, we're, we're, we're permaculturalists. We believe it all matters. We believe the whole system matters. And we don't want to just say there's one solution. Um, it's just a, a really important part of the bigger picture. And um, that's what we're working towards. Mm. Yeah, we know you, you, you're right. Unfortunately, I don't want to kind of burst your bubble a bit, but uh, anyone that's aware with sort of the work, the, 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 the work that I've done, I've, I've been producing a, a weekly blog called Last Week in Weed, um, basically for the past year or so, uh, where I keep an eye on sort of things going around. Uh, as part of that, I've been slowly building um, a lot of information um, within sort of the psychedelic or entheogenic investment sphere as it were and that is far more corrupt they've learned the lessons of cannabis and they've gone faster and further mm -hmm. so the synthetic patents and compounds they're actually then patenting therapies and various applications so even before the consciousness the the collective consciousness of the public are aware of these things they're going to already have everything cemented right. so obviously we've got we've got a couple of ketamine clinics in the uk there's trials for uh, Ibogaine for LSD, for DMT, for ketamine, for MDMA. Uh, there's probably a couple I'm missing off the top of my head, but they're active studies that are just, there's a lot of stuff that is is really starting to come together in the UK and it is for a corporate leaning stance. It's not, again, it's not about us. It's for that big farmer, as it were, to not lose their antidepressant market, to not lose their sedative market, to not lose, you know, their um, antipsychotics market. So it's, we can see what they're doing. We're quite aware of it. Um, but the faster I think that we can unify and start to create our own wealth is, is, the, is the people, the vast, diverse people that consume cannabis, as you're saying, it's, it's my look at my audience. My audience are not young people, as people would think. They start in about their uh, early 30s, but go right up to their 80s, according to our analytics. So we actually mm -hmm. have quite a, a, a wealth of people that listen as well from quite a, a lot of countries around the world. And it's from conversations I've had with sort of a few people is they share the same sort of idea and it, it transcends culture. It transcends religion. It transcends language. It, it, we all want the freedom, the autonomy to be able to utilize what is, I don't believe in God, but I'll use the expression God given right. You know, these are our birthright. These were already here. These things exist. It is not for some person to arbitrarily come across and go, we can't control this or profit from it. We don't like what happens when you use it. So you're not allowed access to it. So I think that anybody that's interested in any part of ending this, this abhorrent draconian war on drugs in some small way, I guess, needs to support a hemp revolution, a hemp renaissance, because like I said, that if you guys are then fighting this and you're planting low THC cannabis and you're getting a victory, there is no difference then to fight why we can't plant high THC cannabis and do the same, same thing. So I think people need to recognize these, um, the allyship that, that we share. And again, I'm probably going to take some flack for this, but whatever we have, we have to communicate and find some form of unity and move forward. It's, it's the only way forward. Not all of us are these, these monster venture capitalists. We're not all Patrick Bateman in the, in the boardroom trying to, trying to push to own more and more of this shit. You know what I mean? Most of us just want an easy life. I frankly don't have to talk about drugs anymore. I want this to be over so I can just go do drugs and figure out what I was actually going to do with my life <laughs> before I was forced into fighting to just be allowed to exist. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, you, you, you've, got, you've got my support. You've got my support, guys. And like I said, I'm not going to say don't say hemp. I'm just going to say that, as I hope I've articulated, I think that there is something of an unintended consequence that if we speak of the uh, industrial potential of hemp, it kind of makes people think that cannabis doesn't. So 
I don't know, maybe I've planted a few seeds into your heads. Well, luckily, it's as simple as that. It's, it's um, you know, if you if you support it, you just need to plant some seeds. Get, get yourself some seeds. Uh, you can get them from our website or, or you know, any organic hemp hemp uh, producers website but you know they're, they're there plant them in your garden if you're feeling if you're feeling up for it let, let us know let, let us know in public if you want to be part of the the masses saying hey look there's nothing wrong with this if there's something wrong with this with this tell us why and, and and we'll all have a big public discussion about it because um we can't we we can't find anything wrong with growing hemp we can only find good good benefits and good side effects uh-huh. um, so yeah, over, uh, grow hemp, overgrow the regime. Um, check out check us out at hempen.co.uk. And if you want if you want to get really stuck in and get involved, we're going to need lawyers. We're going to need people making videos, uh, people proficient in in press and media, uh, funding. All the rest of it is going to be needed so that we can really make this big. Um, send us an email. Send an email to growhemp at hempen.co.uk and uh, and get involved. Jo- join the campaign at, at the ground floor and uh, let's let's ride it all the way to the top. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I'll make sure to include the links in the bio below. I suppose all that's left is to ask you guys uh, the final question that I ask all my guests, which is, uh, what does the future hold for you guys? Which I suppose we've kind of covered quite a lot of it. It's going to be fighting the system, overgrowing the government. Yeah, abundance of hemp all around across the UK, I think, is the vision that we definitely see. I definitely believe in, um, yeah, being the change um, and uh, living the change. And I think that's why the campaign that we're that we're just launching is coming from, because we just don't we're not going to stand for it anymore. And so, yeah. I believe that we're going to have uh, be supporting people to grow fields of hemp all across the UK, um, and we're going to be able to uh, therefore supply uh, different um, research and development into um, ways that hemp can hemp can <clears throat> propel the the economy in a more regenerative and uh, healing way that will um, help us out of this mess. So definitely. In terms of hemp, that's... And, and we're going to be putting ourselves out of business because we're going to be teaching people how to extract their own seed <laughs> oil, you know. This is how, you know, this is how you how you make the products. You know, if you want hemp to make it, you can buy it from our website. But if you want to do it yourself, here, here's the video on how to do it. Come to the workshop. Um, we're, we're going to be doing that. And for all those big organic uh, farmers out there, we're going to be putting together a... a organic hemp agricultural co-op across the uk to supply just so that all the farmers can support each other in producing really high quality organic agricultural scale uh, hemp so that all of the other industry uses can benefit at scale mm-hmm. um and and also so that all of those growers can benefit together and it's not just creamed off the top by a, a corporation that buys it off them in the end um and that's why we're gonna we're gonna help form and, and join that cooperative uh and and that's gonna be coming up in the next year as, as well so we've got the twin approach we've got this, the, the scale approach uh for the industry and 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 farmers and we've got uh we've got the the grassroots people's approach uh, for every grower and farmer out there that that doesn't want to go through any licensing mm-hmm. excellent excellent well as i said uh, i wish you the best of luck with this guys um yeah hope to get you you on in the not too distant future and hope that i don't uh have to do this via one of you in bar uh, behind bars um <laughs> but uh, no uh, no in all seriousness i i think that it 
I, I respect what you're doing and I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you came on to record this and before we had the, we caveated the thing about low THC cannabis versus hemp sort of thing. Um, the, I'm an ally, not an enemy. For all, I may have accidentally painted myself as an enemy in the past. And I hope that a lot of my listeners will in some form recognize that actually, if you want a planet where you can roll a fatty and get high and watch the sunset or whatever, you're going to need hemp to or low THC, car, uh, THC cannabis to sequester the carbon out of the air so you can breathe long enough to actually do it. <laughs> so we have to recognize there is commonality here. What It's not abandoning your fight. It's modifying and adapting your ideology, being less rigid within your worldview and trying to adapt to an ever-changing situation. And if you want to send me a message and have a go at me, you know, you, you got my own details, guys. Um, in yeah. the end, in the end, hopefully, even our enemies will become our allies, and uh, we won't waste time giving each other flack, and we'll just work out how to, uh, yeah, like transform our consciousness as one human race, like Bill Hicks uh, suggested. We should save time and get straight towards doing. Hey, the, the giant pagan-esque mushy festival we're going to have at the end when Mordor is ripped up. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to see the juxtaposition of all of the classes, races, and, and different kind of sub uh, subcultures of the UK just bond together. Because again, we're, we're kept apart by these arbitrary distinctions that were, were created for, for racist and classist means to help perpetuate for um, ever-increasing ever profits of, of, of industry. And they start to own more and need more and want more. And as you said, uh, quite eloquently sort of before that the division served as well to allow the knowledge to metastasize as it were within mm -hmm. the the political body and we are i hate the analogy in that sense to say that we're a cancer but i mean that we are as aggressive as a cancer we are a brain cancer within the the, the body politic in this country and they cannot survive us they're having to adapt and co-opt and and form businesses and now become parts of bodies and ceos within actual organizations that is so transparent with this shit now at least before they were just taking backhanders they're learning that they have to adapt to survive within this. So if even they're adapting, then I'm sure everybody else can, can recognize, as I said, just, just the commonality. Just try to take a step back and go, if you are a therapeutic user, if you are somebody who just likes to get high as hell, if you are somebody that is interested in the potential industrial applications of this, you are not one against the other. There is no binary debate here. We are human beings on a dying planet with a resource that can save us if we can get past the ignorance that divides us. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. an articulate way to end this podcast. I'm quite impressed with that one. That's where Maka would usually shout at me and go, ah, you practice that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's weird not having him jump in uh, back and forth here, but it's we'll, we'll get him back next week. Anyway, um, folks, if you did enjoy this, please do check us out on... Uh, no, I've jumped straight to doing housework keeping. I even said thank you. Thank you very much to our guests um, this evening who have been uh, Patrick and Zena from Hempen. As I've said, you can find all of the links below in the uh, bio, links to your website, and uh, also that email address, growhemp at hempen.co.uk. That's correct. Yeah. There you go. Um, so do get do get involved in whatever way. And uh, I'm sure that you guys don't have the facility to test if what they're growing is is going to be 0.2 THC or 1.2 or 2.2. So overgrow the system, folks. Get involved in the fight. And yeah, check out Hemman. Grow Hemp.
Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll jump to housekeeping now. So if you did actually stick around for this and you've dealt with the car crash, it's been me trying to manage this without Mr. Maka. Um, please do check us out on patreon.com forward slash a simple life, where for less than a cup of coffee a week, you can help us keep the lights on and help uh, pay some of the debts that we've accrued from the festivals we're attending to record for you lovely folk over the next few weeks. Uh, check us out on all social media at the simple life. I've been simple. There is no Maka today. Thank you to my lovely guests and I'll see you all next week. Peace and love folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.